Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. Fall camp is here. Penn State had their first practice a couple days ago, and we already have a lot to discuss. Maybe some overreactions? I don't know. We'll get into the show, talk about that, talk about one recruit maybe you should be paying attention to for 2024, and some uh, conference realignment to discuss, as well as like six fan questions. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for submitting the questions. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Thank you. Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Lestokey. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Very good, Corey. Happy Friday, Junior Q. Um, how you. are you doing this evening? Good, good. I appreciate you. We uh, postponing yesterday to today. It means a lot. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. doing anything tonight. I just um, couldn't wait to talk to you last night. That, you know what? It was funny because I messaged you on Tuesday, and I'm like, can you do tomorrow? And you're like, yeah, I can do tomorrow. And no, I meant, I meant Thursday. Um, thank you to Mike Scatina for being here on YouTube. If you're watching live on YouTube, please make sure to like the video. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't care if it's on Apple. I don't care if it's on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe. It's free to do and helps us out a bunch. Uh, a lot to discuss today, Sean, but I just first want everyone to realize that like football is here. It is, is officially August now. Fall camp is here. We already have some some practice notes to go over. I mean, Sean, it's back, baby. It is. When August, uh, when August strikes, that means it's football season. I think the Hall of Fame game is tonight? Is it tomorrow? Um, I think it's tonight. I, I think it's happening right now. Yeah, and I mean, I, I hate to be a wet blanket. I don't get too excited about the Hall of Fame game just because it's a preseason football game, but no. I do like what it brings. It means we're almost there. And uh, week zero will be in a few weeks. I believe there's a big game week zero. 
Northwestern Rutgers? Are they are they week zero? <laughs> they probably are. Um, no, I, I, I for real. I think there's actually a, a decent game week zero. I'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah, we are we are here. And it's first time Penn State's opened up with the night home game, I believe, since 2001 when Penn State played the Miami Hurricanes. And um, mm. I was at that game as a six-year-old child, and it was a rough one for me. But have you figured out I, if you're uh, going to be able to attend the uh, the West Virginia game or not? I will be in attendance for the West Virginia game. Yes. Oh. Oh snap. Uh, yeah, it'll be my fiance's first night game. So, whole new, whole new world for. Um, I don't know. Well, Florida and Utah play on Thursday. Let me see. Um, but that's that's week one. So, I don't. Uh, as far as week zero, I don't really see anything great. I see Navy at Notre Dame. No, honey, I, I could be wrong too. UMass, if you want to scout ahead for UMass, UMass plays New Mexico State. Penn you State know, maybe that's what I was thinking. October fourteenth. Maybe, like, maybe that's what I was thinking, and I could have confused the Florida game with being mm. zero. That could have been what happened. Uh, but that's that should be a fun that should be a fun game. I expect the Utes to take care of business out in Provo. I, so. you know, I don't know. They're. Uh, I don't know what's his face is going to be ready. Oh, um, just played him. I know it's so bad. Can't think of his name. Um, Rising. John Clifford. Yeah, Cam Rising. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. uh, he's and they like, did lose a lot from last year. So, but I still, I, I don't think Florida's any good. So. Yeah. Hey, John, can you turn your mic up just a notch or two? Um. Yeah, Cam Rising is like barely allowed to practice right now, so we'll have to pay attention to that. Um, I did want to get into the actual Penn State show of things. Wanted to start by saying Penn State Iron Lions of the Summer were announced. Three players from that, running back Nick Singleton, tight end Theo Johnson, and defensive tackle Jordan Vandenberg, which... Theo Johnson making this list, I, I think, is a really good thing, right? I mean, don't know if he's in the doghouse. Don't know if he is, you know, going to play the first game due to that arrest because of the the, the punch in the in the frat. Uh, but it's good to see he's working hard this summer. It's terrifying to see that Nick Singleton won this award because if that dude put in the work this offseason and, and takes that, that next step, I mean, it, it's going to be pretty scary. And then Jordan Vandenberg... Telling you right now, Sean, that is a name you need to know coming into the year. Like, I don't think either of us chose him as like the name that would become a household name. I got a feeling Jordan Vandenberg. We made, I made the Carl Nassib joke before, but seriously, James Franklin has spoke so much about Jordan Vandenberg, and and they had media day on Sunday, so we'll hear them talk about them even more. But, but I'm guessing that. Uh, I'm guessing that Jordan Vandenberg, apparently Deion Barnes loves him. So if, you're, if your defensive line coach likes you, you're probably going to play a lot. So, um, But all three of those guys, I mean, that, that's fantastic. Good for them. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one guy that stood out to me a little bit, he got some love on, on the Twitter sphere and um, also on, um, you know, he and some writers were talking about was Dante Cephas. Um, he looks physically ready. Like, he doesn't look like, you know, your typical Mac receiver just going through drills. He looks like a guy that's built for this level. Uh, he didn't play in spring, so he didn't really get a good chance to see him. But I'm excited to see what he could do. Um, you know, one of the Blue White Illustrated guys on their podcast, they talked about how, um, you know, you lose, as far as defense goes, you lose Tate Brown, you lose P.J. Mustafer, you lose some pretty key parts of that defense. And they said, like, it was almost business as usual. Like, it, they look the part. They look the part of a top 10, top 5, maybe, defense in the country. And I think that's definitely definitely a positive, considering, you know, Joey Porter Jr. is going to be probably starting with the Steelers this year. And Tig Brown, we all know how important he's been. Um, so, yeah. And the, the other thing... The other thing that I want you guys to watch out for, because I heard this at a couple places, you know who's looked good in practice, Corey? Um, go ahead. We might have CW, too. The Clifford Wars, too. I don't want to go there yet. I think we might. Like, could Corey be the Italy of the Clifford Wars, too? No, I got that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to go to the, the practice notes just yet, but um, I will say that oh, no, I, I will talk about Mr. Liam Clifford in a little bit when we talk about wide receivers, because I think we could spend a considerable amount of time on the wide receivers today. So I'll get to him in a second. Um, yeah. Before we get to practice or notes, because I think that's going to be pretty much the majority of the conversation today. Um. I want to talk just real quick about recruiting, and then I want to talk conference realignment before we get to the practice notes. Because honestly, I don't want to spend too much time on conference realignment because I don't think it's, first of all, very good for the, the sport that we love. Um, there are intriguing aspects of it, but I really think it kind of stinks um, as far as what is going to come out of this. And the fact that the Pac-12 teams are leaving because the Apple TV deal that they had of $20 million per per team wasn't close to being enough compared to what they could get in the Big Ten or the Big 12. Like, that's just an outrageous amount of money to, to break all this up. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I did want to mention one Juco cornerback that just visited last weekend, Sean. Who are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about a California, uh, California's very own Sione Lalea. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, number one overall junior college prospect in the country. Um, he just visited. He uh, he just unofficially visited Penn State last weekend. Uh, Penn State had him for an official visit on June second, and yeah, I mean, I was talking to Corey a little bit before the show started. Guys, next year, we could be potentially down Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, 
and Daquan Hardy. So, low-key, that corner room, you get a little concerned about. And we all believe in Terry Smith. We all believe in the prospects he's brought in. But nonetheless, I mean, we're going to need guys to be ready. And to me, getting somebody like like uh, like uh, uh, Lo- Nalea, I hope I'm saying that name right, uh, that makes it all more important. He's 6'4", 185. I mean, that is some serious length. But, you know, with the defensive backs that Penn State's been able to put in the NFL the last few years, why not consider Penn State? Especially junior college defensive backs we've been able to put, Penn State's been able to put in the pros. Uh, with Tig Brown and um, and, J- and Jaquan Brisker. And then you add Joey Porter Jr., who has a very similar build to this guy. I mean, I think Penn State makes a lot of sense. Now, it's going to probably be a tough pull getting him from the West Coast. I know he really likes Oregon. Um, and he also likes Miami. But I do think Penn State has somewhat of a chance here. It's always a good thing, too, usually, because he also he brought his mother on this unofficial visit. And you're not going to bring your mother across country to see a place that you're not really that interested in. So I'm hoping Terry Smith and James Franklin could work their magic here. And James Franklin is very good when we're having to recruit mothers of recruits. Correct. He does a fantastic job there. So um, that that is a very good sign. That's a good point to bring up. Um, we do have a question later on about some receiver recruiting. So later. But... Official scholarships for 2024 came out on August 1st, which was cool to see, like, the 2024 guys that have committed already. They got their official offers. And also, the conversations then have begun for 2025. And so that is eventually where we're going to kind of turn our discussion um, as we kind of get into August. And then visits happen, and then we're off. Uh, Sean, anyone else you want to mention before non-receiver that you want to mention before we uh, move on to conference realignment? Yeah, I mean, it's important to note that, uh, you know, Lash Bash was just this past week and heavy emphasis on the juniors. Uh, Michael Carroll is a guy to know um, in that offensive line group for 2025. Uh, but really, guys, uh, 2024 is wrapped up. I mean, I, I think Penn State's still after some guys. I know Chris Cole linebacker from the, the linebacker from i believe virginia i think he's from virginia he he just got crystal ball to go to georgia so you know that kind of sucks i think nigel smith just got crystal ball to go to oklahoma i don't i don't think that one's wrapping up for a while though so penn state's still in that uh but yeah i mean there aren't gonna be a whole lot more whole lot more uh places left in this class so I still feel good about that twenty-seven or twenty-eight number. I just don't. I, I just don't know who those guys are going to be. So stay tuned. Yeah, I still think there might be a flip there as well. But um, okay, Me let's too. go conference. Let's go conference realignment. So if you have been living under a rock, or you've just been taking, I don't know, a vacation and trying to get away from college football before you dive deep uh, this upcoming month or so. Conference realignment's happening again. Colorado already making the switch to the to the Big 12. Arizona State, Arizona, 
and potentially Utah seem imminent to the Big 12 as well. Seems like Arizona doesn't want to go without Arizona State and Utah, and so they're kind of like deciding together. Uh, that kind of leaves not very much, many teams left in the Pac-12. There's already nine teams of Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah left. There would be six teams. And then you would have to look north. And from what we have heard so far, multiple reports now from The Athletic and ESPN, is the Big Ten is very much interested in Oregon and Washington. A couple days ago, Stanford and Cal was involved, but it seems like that has cooled off a little bit. And the main focus right now is Oregon and Washington. And it's uh, the last report as of like an hour or two ago was basically the Big Ten will take Oregon and Washington, but they're waiting for the Big 12 to accept Arizona and Arizona State first. They don't want to pick, as if it really matters in the grand scheme of things, they don't want to be the first one to really pick off those teams in a Pac-12. I don't really understand why that's the case, but... But but they obviously don't want to miss out on opportunities um, if if there is opportunity there. Now, here's the crazy thing. The contract for Oregon and Washington to join the Big Ten, they would get half the amount of money that the other teams would get for their contract. That half amount of money for the TV deal and everything would be $35 million per team. So Washington would get 35, Oregon would get 35. That is more money than the teams that are leaving for the Big 12. So half the amount is still more money. So that that's what we're dealing with here. That the amount of money is just is absolutely insane, but not just that. It's the fact that the Big 12 seems to be consolidating well, but yet their TV deal and their their uh their stature doesn't even come close to what the Big 10 has at the moment. I mean, it is it is massive. We do have a question a little bit later on who we would like to see added, Sean. So I, I will hold off there. Um, but this seems like this is going to happen. Arizona, Arizona State has a meeting today, tonight, right now. Uh, probably in a, by the end of the week, by the time you're listening to this, they, they might already be in the Big 12. And if that happens, I don't see any way Oregon or Washington also don't leave for the Big 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, massive, massive moves. Uh, and also, Colorado already left. So Colorado's gone, back to the Big 12. And, yeah, it looks like the Arizona schools are, might be following suit. And I think it begs the question, well, is this good? Is it bad? I, I don't, I don't love it <laughs> you know um i don't really want to go to a world where there are two mega conferences and maybe uh quote uh to paraphrase a little bit from the sopranos this pygmy thing out in the big 12 like whatever they're gonna try to do i, I don't really know if that's great for college football as a whole and it's all about it's all about the money and the school and, and like take schools like Oregon and Washington, they, they're probably not going to be offered that much money to go to the Big 12 when they have the when they have the Big 10 there. And I think a lot of this comes from mismanagement of the Pac-12 to begin with. I don't think it was a conference run very well. And the big the big domino has already fallen in the Pac-12. 
and that's USC and UCLA leaving. So that was that was the massive shift. So that already happened last year. And these are kind of the inevitable dominoes to fall. And last year we discussed what the Pac-12 should do. And we said San Diego State, and then you probably have to go get Boise State or maybe some. But even Boise, it's not a big market. But San Diego State was important because you have to have something in Southern California if you're the Pac-12. And I don't think the Pac-12 really pursued them aggressively. And they also didn't pursue their TV deal aggressively. They've been dragging their feet on this for a year now. And this is what happens. So, yeah, college football might massively change quite a bit by the next time we talk to each other. Yeah. You know, Oregon always knew that they were going to be fine in the grand scheme of things because uh, Josh Pate from Late Kick had a really good point that I wanted to share. He, he mentioned something that was really interesting, that Dan Lanning, head coach at Oregon, has a $20 million buyout deal on his contract if he decides to leave Oregon throughout his entire contract. With his stock rising as a head coach, you don't make a deal like that unless you know the program is in a stable hand. You know that Oregon is going to continue to be Oregon down the road. It doesn't take much to read between the lines there. Oregon knows where they're at. Whether it was at the very worst, the Big 12, most likely the Big 10, they knew that their bread was going to be buttered. Um, and I think Dan Lanning and company knew that too. So that that tells you right off the bat kind of where Oregon is. Now, we we talk about all of this and the, the markets that surrounded. Do, do they have the certain uh, criteria from an academic perspective? All those things come into play. The markets of Portland – play a little bit of a role the markets of seattle play a a role as well but i really think you kind of have to do a lot of the things i i don't think it's as black and white as having a a decently good market to get picked up by the big 10 i think you have to have a brand as well um and and i think that plays a role in it uh i did i did want to mention that the athletic had a funny probably very unrealistic hypothetical where they said, what if the ACC and the PAC 12 merge together to, to survive, to, to save whatever they have left? Because there's talks about the Florida state. Uh, I don't know if it was the president or the athletic director, but the, they said they're not making, they're not getting enough money from the ACC right now. And so it sounds like Florida state might want to get out. Does Clemson try to get out? Cause they're, they've been kind of the big dog there for a while. There's, conversations there as far as the contract they signed with the ACC as no team could leave until later on, but how sturdy are those contracts? So there's a lot of things that are moving and these things, this happens a lot, right? One move happens and a lot of percolation happens, but I do think there's fire where smoke is as far as Arizona, Arizona state, Oregon, and Washington. At this point, I would be surprised if anything else happens, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think and I, I, the only benefit I can see, Sean, as far as Oregon and Washington joining, is it makes it a little bit easier for USC, UCLA, and for everyone else in the Big Ten as far as traveling, especially for non-football sports. So I do think there's there is some benefit there. And that's true. There was a school of thought that 
you know, if you if you're adding USC and UCLA, well, you have to bring more from the Pac-12 in. And I do have some sympathy for that, especially the non-football sports, because if you're playing basketball or volleyball, I mean, those schedules like you're playing a couple times a week or sometimes three times a week. So, yeah, you travel becomes really, really it, it becomes hard, especially on the L.A. teams to get out here. But also a team like Penn State, we could have, a, you know, they as a school like Penn State, they could have a volleyball match at UCLA on Tuesday and then have to be in Piscataway, New Jersey on Saturday. And all the while have classes, having classes in between. And that's that's just really, really hard. Uh, as far as the ACC goes, yeah, that's going to be tougher because of the TV deal. They already have a TV deal through late, through into the 2030s. So, but lawyers are paid a lot for a reason. And if there's a will, there's a way. And it wouldn't shock me to see them scoot, to see a school like Clemson, a school like Florida State, and Drew Weatherford who I believe was Florida State's quarterback when Penn State beat them. He was he was the one that said, yeah, it's not a matter of if and when, if but when Florida State leaves. So question is, where do they go? So Corey, yeah. people, um, well, people, I'll wait, I'll wait on that. Okay. Uh, people say also I don't see Florida State joining the SEC, by the way. I just I, I don't see that happening. I, I don't think because as as far as market value goes, it brings nothing to the SEC. It's a big name school, but it brings nothing to the SEC. You could honestly argue that Florida State, besides Florida, has more rivals with other ACC teams than anyone else over there, especially you know if Miami and and, and so forth don't go in the. I, I could see SEC taking. Miami over Florida State just because you get the Miami market. Tallahassee is is not uh, in the grand scheme of chess pieces and the in the conference realignment board is not a, anything more than maybe a night. You know what I mean? It's it's just not a big piece worth worth risking for if you're trying to be strategic on how many teams you want to take. So we'll see, but I just don't think so. It, it would be. So who's a bigger brand than them in the SEC? Bama, Texas. Texas uh, A&M. I don't think A&M's a bigger brand than Florida State. Maybe. They have more maybe money, not. but I don't think they're a bigger brand. Oh, Georgia? Maybe, maybe Georgia. So, I mean, you're adding another brand, and that would be the logic behind bringing Florida State I would in. say Florida's probably bigger than Florida State. I could see that. I could see that. Um, but, you know, I think it, it would bring more benefit for the Big Ten to bring them in, though, because we don't have a Southern team, obviously. So if you're, if you're the Big Ten... You would then expand to California and then Florida. So you'd be on every coast. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's close to happening yet. My my two cents. I think we're far away from that. I think so too because I think that TV deal is going to be tougher to get out of than people realize. But I think eventually it'll happen. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma were rumored for about ten years before they finally left. They were rumored to be going to the to the SEC, right? And that it just happened one day. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how these things work. Um, and it's going to happen again. Like, there's going to be news probably in the next week. And then in about two weeks, people keep thinking that stuff will keep happening. And then it won't happen for another year or two. So this stuff tends to all happen at once. And then nobody talks about it for another year plus. So it's going to happen again. But there's but there's still some dominoes to fall in this, uh, in this little uh, time that we're in now. Yep. Yep. Well, let's get into the to the meat of the show today and talk about practice. Media was at practice. We got some good practice. scoop from a lot, pretty much for all of the beat reporters kind of tuned in and provided some information. It was 24-7. Blue White Illustrated, The Athletic. Um, got got some a lot of media information from all of them. We just full disclosure disclosure, we were not at practice on Monday. Is that Monday? Tuesday? Not yet. Yeah. Um, So, just some notes off the top. Overarching notes about the team. Sean already mentioned one, the size, quote-unquote, the amount of studs. Energy was like a regular season practice. I think that was Nate Bauer who said that. Um, James Franklin wants everyone to feel uncomfortable as far as their position and their depth. Nobody has a safe spot. Um, and then one other thing I will mention as far as a general thing, and we can talk about it, I guess, now, and that is the the uh, the, the good old dust up between Keandre Lambert-Smith and Anthony Ivey, two wide receivers. I'm not thinking too much into this from what I believe it was T-Phrase said that Keandre Lambert-Smith <clears throat> turned around and said something to Anthony Ivey, didn't know what he said, and then that, that led to some altercations and some people having to break it up. Um, don't think there's much there as far as anything you need to be concerned with, but I think there is something there as far as maybe Keandre Lam- Lambert-Smith showing leadership qualities, and getting on a guy for maybe doing something wrong, that's full speculation. Um, or at the very least, there's some there's some tension. There's some there's some fire on this wide receiver core. They've been hearing all summer that they're the question mark. And uh right off the bat, seems like they're uh they're they're a little wound up and ready to go. Sean, your thoughts. Yeah, a few things. Um with the receiver dust up, I mean, if you've ever played football, even at the high school level, stuff like that happens all the time. And the media just happened to be there for it. And it didn't sound all that serious. It was just some guys, you know, getting into it. Uh, interesting, it happened on the first day of practice. <laughs> but, I mean, these guys have been working out together all summer. Uh, that's typically what happens without the coaches there. Um, and, yeah, maybe it's Andre Lambert-Smith probably – he's probably trying to take a leadership role because if you think about it, Parker 
was the leader in the lock in that that room last year. And before that, it was Jahan for two years, and then before that, it was KJ. So it's it's Keandre Lambert's sixth turn, and maybe he's setting a tone in there. Like you got to be focused, and I think the guys know what we're playing for, and they have high hopes. Uh, they have higher, you know, they have just as high, if not higher, aspirations than any of us do. So, um. Yeah, the professional tone at practice kind of stood out to me, too, for for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, one of the things I was worried about going into the year, and I still am, is leadership, only because we lost all our leaders from last year. And it looks like they know what they have to do. And those are a lot of guys who have been in big games before, They've won big games before, and they've lost some big games before. So they all know, they all have a good idea what it takes to accomplish their goals. And I don't think they're going to be satisfied with just getting to and winning a New Year's Six Bowl this year. And I think that should be a positive sign. And then, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, just how physically bigger this team is. And I think that was an emphasis with James Franklin this season or this off season. Uh, he mentioned it after after a couple of games this year how he wants them to get bigger, and they have. And I think that's a positive. And I'll echo what Corey said at the beginning of the show: the name you keep hearing from the coaches, from the media, is Jordan Vandenberg, and that guy's going to have a huge role on this team. And I'm not positive if he'll be one of the first two defensive tackles off off the sideline when we hit the uh, when we play West Virginia, but he's going to play a big role in this defense. And I'm, I'm excited. Balancing all over the place on me today. <laughs> Am I unfocused, Corey? You are. You're just as excited as everybody else, I think. And you're just I like a so. like a like a bouncy ball. In a uh, narrow hallway, down the stairs, um, all over the place. Yeah, um, let's talk receivers, and then we'll just yes. overarchingly talk about offense, and then we'll get over to the defense. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith, I think, set the tone in, in what he expects to do. He was the one leading all the drills. That was to be expected. Dante Cephas was kind of in more of a observing mode. He was a uh, Pretty far back as far as when he was uh, his order to do the drills, probably because he was trying to figure out where he he needs to be. Um, Sean mentioned good old McConkey, Liam Clifford. And uh, look, I will sit here and eat a big pile of crow if I'm wrong, but I just don't. I'm not believing in Liam Clifford. Not that he's bad. I just think that there's too many other guys on this receiving core for him to play a a bunch of snaps. Like, I think Liam Clifford absolutely impressed people yesterday because it was ISOs, it was group, it was position-specific. He's going to kill those things. He's a technician. He's going to make sure he does everything correctly. Um... He's a lunch pail guy. 
And exactly. And, and <laughs> when you're not running full speed and when you're not playing 11 on 11, sometimes that's, you know, it, it's, it's easier to maybe hide some of that. So that's what I'll say there. I do, I, I do think he could be a reliable target, but I just think of a guy like Caden Saunders, who's, who's up to 180 pounds now and has all the tools to be really, really special. I just think something like that has a higher ceiling and maybe last year didn't wasn't better than Liam Clifford. But I think as he gets more comfortable, could take that next step um, and, and so forth. Now, I will say this, and I think it's important. Marcus Higgins is a new coach, receivers coach for Penn State. So he's learning these guys just as much as everyone else is. So it's kind of a clean slate across the board as far as what you did last year didn't really matter. So there, there's going to be some opportunity for guys to impress whether that's Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders, whoever, um, in, in order to do that. So I, I'm not saying Liam Clifford can't do it. I'm just saying, I, I don't think he's going to no offense. Oh, he has Corey has stabbed the Clifford family right in the back. But I mean, isn't that, see. doesn't that make all the Clifford Clifford haters happy? Like the <laughs> fact that I'm not just, absolutely just i don't know in love with the entire <laughs> clifford family I, I mean i do like liam clifford um but i i just don't think he's gonna be and again i maybe i'm wrong maybe he will be that guy maybe he'll just be the guy that somehow gets open all, all the time and no one can explain it the jared aberderis of the world i don't know <laughs> jared aberderis but I, I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Now, Marcus Hagens has been focusing on yards after the catch, breaking tackles, et cetera. So I think that's something to pay attention to because I think you got some guys like Liam Clifford that can be pretty slippery in the slot. And I think that's going to bode well for them as far as their development. I'll say this for Liam Clifford in all seriousness. James Franklin and coaches, this is every football coach. When they have uncertainties, when they have players that, they're not sure about or that are unproven. A lot of times, guys, they go with the people they trust. And Liam Clifford's unproven, but so is Caden Saunders. So is Amari Evans. Um, so is that they see this in this offense. Although I do think he'll give him some, you know, he, he give him some credit for what he did at Kent State. But if if he trusts Liam Clifford. Liam's going to play a lot, and he might get passed out at some point. You know, if Caden Saunders gets in there, if Elmire Evans gets in there, which they will, and they make stuff happen in the games, then yeah, uh, they could they could beat Liam. They, they could definitely beat Liam Clifford out, but especially early on in the year, I think Liam Clifford has a chance to play a lot. And, um, you know, of course, I'm picking on Corey a little bit because we all know he loves him some Sean Clifford. Um, but yeah, I, I do think in all reality, uh, Liam could have a small but important role in this, in this offense. Um, and of course we didn't talk about this yet. QB one in practice was. Wait. I want to, I, I want to finish on receivers real quick. Okay. Oh, go on. Go ahead. I didn't know you had anything more to say. Go ahead. Yes, sorry. I just wanted to say one more thing, because um, I do want to talk quarterback battle. Omari Evans, 
I was trying to like find a way to like be cool about like not picking Omari Evans to be the stud because Omari Evans already kind of like you know showed up and he's already kind of proven himself. Some people already know his name. So I was trying to be trendy maybe this year and not like pick Omari Evans to be a, a fantastic player. Um Omar Evans is a dog. And he's got a little bit bigger. And rem- just reminding folks, he played quarterback in high school. So he's still figuring things out. Um, and then you had the blue and white game. I- Omari Evans, I think he's going to play a lot of football. And Tamari Evans and Dante Cephas kind of battling it out on the outside there. Um, I don't really know what to expect, but I think Omari Evans is going to make it as difficult as he possibly can for Dante Cephas to get on the field. Um I think he's going to be – I really think you got to pay attention to Mr. Amari Evans. Now we can go to quarterback, Sean. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I agree with what you said about Amari Evans, too. I really liked him. I've liked Amari Evans and everything I've ever saw him play. So I think he's going to have a chance to um, play a lot this year. But, yeah, your starting quarterback right now – well, not officially named, but the guy taking the first team snaps was Drew Allen. So – Quarterback competition. I'm just not shocked. Yeah, I know. We're all very surprised. Um, So the quarterback competition we've been hearing a lot about might not be a real competition, but James Franklin is going to present it as such, and that's fine with me. Uh, Mark Brennan from Lions247 did note that Jackson Smollett looks more physically put together this spring or not the spring, the summer, than he did in the spring. So I think that's a good sign. Uh, I have a hunch that that backup spot, Bo's probably got that locked up at least right now. Maybe maybe uh, Smollett takes a couple steps in the spring, or in the, I keep saying in the spring, in the summer, and uh, makes that a bit closer. And I hope we are three deep at quarterback where we have three guys that we could trust. Um but right now, I would say that the order most certainly will go Aller, Prabula, and then Smolik. Yeah, we actually have a fan question on this, so I'm not going to add too much to this. But somebody was specifically asking about quarterback backups. Uh, so we'll get to that question a little bit later. But I will say this. Uh, Drew Aller looked good from what I saw. I, I thought there were some pretty balls by a lot of a lot of quarterbacks. Um, but... Uh, I did, I did see that note on Smolik looking bigger. And I think it'd be very unjust if you come, you know, if you keep your first impression of Jackson Smolik from the blue and white game. And, and I, I think it'd be smart to let go of that game because I don't think that's going to be the guy you see moving forward. I, I, do I know that, you know, he's going to play at any point in his career, Penn State? I don't know. But I think that he's probably taken a bunch of steps since he was a 17-year-old in that blue and white game. So that's what I'll say there. Um, oh, wanted to say one more thing. Audrey Snyder had a good point about when it wasn't, like, when it really wasn't a quarterback battle, James Franklin usually announced the starting quarterback around August 20th. So expect 17 more days of quarterback speculation before we get a so there you go do you remember last year when aller was surprisingly announced as the backup quarterback 
my phone literally exploded <laughs> with you texting me, Mike texting me, my dad, my grandpa, everybody just freaking out. And I have a feeling it's going to be similar, maybe similar this year, but also it'll be expected or last year is a little unexpected. You're also frozen right now. Why did I freeze? You look like Han Solo right now at the end of Empire. I'm so frozen. Well, Han thought out, so hopefully you will too. Can I come back? I could, I think I could hear you. I think you can hear me. I just don't think you can see me. Yeah, I cannot see you. There I am. You see me? Nope. Still cannot. Make sure make sure your camera's on. Oh that's all on. Um just some tech difficulties. I don't know. I, I got to figure it out. This uh, laptop's been giving us some issues the last two weeks, so that's not comforting. Um, you, sorry, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, I got you now. You got me now? I could see you, but I don't think you're on the screen. I could see you, though. Okay, sweet. There uh, you go. Now we're good. Okay. Um, I don't know where we were talking about. I kind of lost my train of thought. but well, I think you brought up Audrey Snyder. Yeah, and then you mentioned. Yeah, I, I talked. I forget what I said though. <laughs> you talked. You talked about him, Drew, Drew Aller starting or getting the backup role. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Aller getting the backup role, and I think it'll be reminiscent, but it'll be less surprising that he got starting role this year than him getting the second team role last year. So it's just funny That's the way cool. that is. Um, I do want to talk running backs real quick. Um. Nick Singleton looks really good, unsurprising to anyone else. I'm shocked. Uh, I, I think people need to – I'm just throwing out the name Cam Wall, Wallace right now because I think people need to just keep the name Cam Wallace, running back Cam Wallace, in the back of your, your mind. He's a speedster. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, I, I, I could see him getting some playing time. And then Trey Potts, obviously, who's a, a do-it-all kind of guy. Uh, so I think Trey Potts will actually end up playing quite a bit. Uh, especially in maybe some of those Big Ten grimy games where you don't want to just keep throwing your best running backs at somebody until they get hurt. So uh, I want to go offensive line because I think this is an important conversation, Sean. Going into the offseason, we talked about the right tackle position being a position we might have a, a, a battle for all, all offseason. With Drew Sheldon and then the incumbent, Caden Wallace. Drew Sheldon, very good. Took him a little bit of time to get used to the right side compared to the left side. Remember, he's a backup for Olu Fashionu last year. They noted he was struggling a little bit. And he didn't necessarily have a great blue and white game. Two different kind of trains of thought here. 24-7 sports didn't necessarily say that the battle was over. 
they kind of let it let it on a little bit more. Blue White Illustrated, at least from Nate Bauer, basically said that it's not it's not a battle. Like Caden Wallace is going to be the starting right tackle. Like for all intents and purposes, if he's not, that's not a good thing. It's, it means it's a bad thing. And people that are like not on the Caden Wallace bandwagon, because Sean, I feel like I'm more on it than you. Caden Wallace got bigger. He's up to 340 pounds now. At, you know, out there right tackle. Is he going to be the first round talent that Olu is? No, no, he's not. But if he can anchor that side, which by the way, Sal Warmley's a big guy too. That 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 right side of the offensive line is huge. Um, I do think. It is better that way. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Stelton goes back to the left side. So uh, I wanted to give a little insight there. I'm not saying don't watch out for that battle, but I don't think there's there's as much there as maybe people are leading on. Yeah, yeah, I largely agree with that. I 100% back you up on the Cam Wallace thing, though. I think anybody that fast, they're going to try to find a way for him to get on the field. And... I think he, I don't know if he burns his red shirt, but if he does play, you know, three or four games, I do think he'll make somewhat of an impact, even if it's in uh, mop-up duty. Uh, as far as the right tackle position goes, yeah, that's the position battle, if you will, to watch on offense overall. Uh, similar last year to the Big Slab versus Caden Wallace Wars, uh, which ended up being kind of a truce. They both played. Uh Ideally, I think you want to have one guy be the guy. And Wallace makes the most amount of sense. Caden uh, Wallace has been here 19 years, and he's huge. I mean, nobody doubts his athletic ability. Nobody doubts his size or anything like that. It was My whole thing with Caden Wallace has always been he should be a guard. He, out of high school... He was a better guard prospect. From everything we know, he fits better at guard. I don't know why James Franklin hasn't made him a guard, but I'm not paid however much he is to make that decision. Um, so what are you going to do? Uh, I think there's a I, – I, and I do believe that – I could definitely see Wallace being better at that right tackle spot than Shelton uh, because you have to remember, Drew Shelton just got here last year. Now, he played very well in Olu's absence, but that was on the left side of the line, and there are differences between playing the left and right side of the line. I mean, you have to do everything backwards, and that's a tough adjustment to make, and you're not going to have the edge on a guy who's played right tackle for the last six years. You're just, it's just, unless you're a special player, and I'm not saying Shelton can't become that, but unless you're like, it, and unless you're like an Olu's class, that's gonna it's gonna be tough to unseat a guy like that. And I think that's just kind of I think that's just kind of where we're at with that. And this offensive line, I mean, the right side of the offensive line. If there's anything on this offense that scares me outside of the unknowns with Aller, I mean kind of concerns me a tad. I'm not nearly as concerned as I was last year, but I'm a tad, tad worried in the Ohio, against the Ohio States and Michigans of the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that. That that I mean, 
yeah, you should be worried when you're going up against Ohio State and Michigan. Like that's that's pretty much everybody in the country except for like Georgia and Bama. So good point. Um, True. That being said, I I am a little bit nervous still about the center position too. I think that we're going to be fine, but I'm you know again, Juice Scruggs I think was very underrated for this football team. Let's go defense, Sean. Do you want to go with? Uh, well, first of all, I don't know who said this. This might have been, I think this might have been Tyler Donahue on 24-7 said that the three freshman linebackers are are for real in, in uh, uh, on Keys, Tony Rojas, and why can't I think of his first name, Robinson? Tamir. Tamir, thank you. Um, those guys are legit. We already talked about Tony Rojas quite a bit last week. Kavion Keys, I really hope Kavion Keys is like that edge guy. Like, I don't want to like call him like Tamba. I don't even want to call him like. Ooh, big I, don't even, I know, <laughs> but I, I just feel like he could be one of those guys that could set the edge so well for, for a long time at Penn State and, and has that size and speed to be something special. And then Robinson's a guy who still trying to get used to playing football, but I mean. I think they're pretty excited about Mr. Tamir Robinson and his athletic ability. So, Sean, it makes me wonder here, and I hate to say it, but Keon Wiley, who is kind of in the middle, is Keon Wiley kind of the, the odd man out right now? Honestly, and I really liked him coming out of high school. I haven't heard his name, like, much at all in the last two years. And important to note, he's still a young player, but when you have that amount of talent behind you, yeah, I mean, that room gets crowded very quick. Uh, he came in with Abdul Carter, so we know that's he's going to be tough to leapfrog. And, yeah, I do want to note uh, Tyler Els. He did what? get hurt, though, last year. So he, he did flash a little bit towards sure. the end of the year. That's I think true. he, he actually had a sack in. against Utah. Yeah, so I'm not saying, you know, it's almost time for Keon to, you know, vamoose or anything like that. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, that, but you know, that's kind of the, um, that's kind of what James Franklin wants, right? Like, this is what football coaches want. They want guys to be able to come in there and compete. And if Keon Wiley is able to answer the call, then he'll be fine. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the middle linebacker, um, you know, I, Kind of worried there. I do. I do believe I saw Tyler Elston was back. Tyler Elston was nursing an injury, so that's a good sign. Um, and you want to talk yeah. about Kobe King? Let's talk about Kobe. I'm hearing good things from Kobe King, like really good things. Like we always thought, maybe Kobe King had a little bit more upside. I don't know if he was 100% comfortable last year. You felt like Tyler Elson was – Tyler Elson put himself in the right position, I think, more times. And I think Kobe King maybe ran him out of himself out of position more times. But when there was a guy in the hole and and one of those two were in the hole, you felt better about Kobe King making the play. Tyler Elson had that one really bad missed tackle in that Rose Bowl that just kind of really stunk. Um that being said, I mean, it's going to be a battle, and they're both going to play a bunch. But uh, 
I think Kobe King is. If I had to put money down right now, I think Kobe King is going to be the starting starting middle linebacker. Um, that, that's my that's my thought there. I would agree with you, and I kind of hope he is, just because I think he has, I think he has more upside than Tyler Elston. Um, I'm not really sure what Elston's ceiling is, but I think it's lower than Kobe King's. So, I'm I don't want to I, I want whoever the best guy is to start. But I think, you know, just with Kobe's upside, I would kind of rather him start. Right. Um, Abdul Carter's still a freak. Curtis Jacobs still a freak. Nothing really new to report there. Still very good at football. Yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> Let's go. Do you want to go defensive line or do you want to go corner? I'll give you the choice. Or, or sorry, keep, just, just defensive backs in general. Keep it in the front seven. Okay, let's go defensive line. Um, Beefman, Akeem Beeman's got a little bit bigger. We already kind of knew that. We already talked extensively about Jordan Vandenberg. Keziah Izzard, back from, he's banged up a little bit this spring. He's he's looking good, too. Um, I believe it was T. Phrase that made a comment about how he could maybe be that, maybe it was Tyler Donahue, actually, but made that comment that maybe he could be the P.J. Mustafer guy. A little bit bigger, but... I really like Kazai Izzard's hands. I think he's got some really quick hands. Um, he he can shed blocks real quick and, and and not just clog holes, but be disruptive in the hole. So Kazai Izzard, I think you got Devon Alley's there. You got Devon uh, Devon Townley there. You've got uh, Zane Durant there. You got a lot of options there. I, I think upside wise, Kazai Izzard is is probably alongside Hakeem Beeman, probably your best two right now. But I really think they're all going to play a bunch, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, and we all know that Franklin likes rotating through guys. And typically, in a game, he probably likes to play five or six defensive tackles. And I think he has five or six defensive tackles that he's going to trust. Uh, and, you know, going into the offseason, I really didn't know about the defensive tackles. I spoke pretty extensively about who's going to replace P.J. Mustafer. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more I think we're going to be all right there. Uh, because everybody got bigger. And just from reports, just from what people have been saying, just from what the coach has been saying, it sounds like guys are really taking another step. And that is Jordan Vandenberg. That is Zane Durant. That is uh, even a guy like Devon Ellis. Um, and that's that, that's what you need. Uh, not to mention Keziah Izzard. I mean, I thought Izzard was probably... maybe the most consistent defensive player last season. At least in the front seven. I mean, just brought it every game like there were no games that I was like uh Izzard really didn't play that well and like even Chop Robinson and Abdul Carter I mean there were moments you know the Michigan game they didn't play well I mean they just didn't but Izzard I mean I just felt like he was maybe the only one on defense that day that played all right so yeah I mean the more I think about the defense tackles the more I feel all right about them. 
I do think it'll help having Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs right behind them and having, you know, an elite defensive end group to the side of them. And yeah, I think they take that next step and they're going to be better than I thought they'd be a few months back. You think on the outside with, uh, with the defensive ends, do you agree with the starting four or the starting too deep to be Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton, and Amin Vanover? Definitely the top three. Okay. I think that fourth spot, though, is kind of up for grabs. I think a guy like Smith Vilbert has a shot. Uh, I think Amin Vanover certainly does. Uh, we both really like Amin Vanover. Uh, yeah, those are probably the those are probably the the five fighting for that role right now. And maybe Zariah Fisher. Maybe he comes in there, and he's kind of been a bit of a forgotten guy. But yeah, I would give Vanover the edge. But we're big and mean yeah. Vanover fans here. We are. We are very big and mean Vanover fans here. Uh, okay, let's go DB. You know what? I was. I will admit, I was skeptical of Cam Miller, but Cam Miller has has impressed coaches, I guess, quite a bit, and I guess he has gotten a lot thicker. Um, he's he's gotten bigger, and people are like, "Whoa, is that this? Is that did Cam Miller switch numbers? Is that really Cam Miller?" So Cam Miller, you know, he looked he just looked like a freshman last year as far as his size. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how how he plays with a little bit more weight added to him. I'm wondering if he just has amazing ball skills because I just feel like I was never overly impressed when he was out there. And again, I'm not a defensive back coach expert by any stretch. Um, but clearly Terry Smith likes this guy. And so I'm very intrigued on Cam Miller this year. I, I am really excited to see what he can do and if he can maybe take that next step, you know, with, with the additional reps that he gets this year. Yeah, we're going to need him, right? I mean, we lost Storm Duck. And I think we lost Storm Duck because it was such a competitive room. But, uh, yeah, we're going to need Cam Miller to step up and uh, take, a, take another step. And there seems to be a lot of confidence with the coaching staff with a guy like him. And kind of similar to Jackson Smolk in the spring game, I think we have to take some of the bad stuff we saw from Cam Miller last year, and then there was some bad, and just keep it in context and remember he was a true freshman. And true freshman corners get burnt a lot. Cornerback, cornerback in my mind, on the defensive side of the ball, is probably the toughest position to trans- transition over to. Because you're seeing athletes like you've never seen before. Even uh, every single week. I mean, you could be playing Indiana and you're seeing guys that you just never played in high school. And that could be that could be a really tough adjustment. And I do expect him to take another step this year. Uh, of course, he's going to be in competition with um, one Elliot Washington, who we've heard nothing but great and I think the guy has a chance to be a star at Penn State. Uh, I've heard Kalen King is good. I have heard that. And Johnny Dixon 
we I think we all expect him to build on what he did last year. And again, remember this, Joey Porter Jr. didn't play, what, the last three weeks of the season. And you didn't really feel like there was any drop-off having, uh, having, having Johnny Dixon on the field when Joey Porter Jr. went down. So I think that's definitely encouraging, and I think he's going to be ready to play that, uh, that corner spot opposite Kalen King. Yeah, no, I think you covered those guys well at the corner spot. Um, yeah, Elliot Washington, definitely name not to forget. Safety, uh, Jalen Reed, I think, is a guy to pay attention to. This this, this uh, is Zaki Wheatley as well, but Jalen Reed, I think, maybe has, um, you know, I don't know. Between both of those guys, uh, I think both of them are going to do some really good things. I will say this. James Franklin said something kind of interesting the other night. Like Keaton Ellis has done everything extremely well, except for the fact that he hasn't really had those explosive plays yet. And I think that's a really kind of interesting, like, I don't know if that was a dig by James Franklin Adam, or it's like he's done everything, he just hasn't had those moments yet. But also, Keaton Ellis has been around, and you're kind of like, okay, well, when is he going to have those moments if he hasn't had those moments yet? So take that for what you will. I don't really know what to think of it yet, but it's something I'm going to kind of uh keeping the in the back of my mind throughout these you know this month and next month as far as what he meant by that so um hopefully this wasn't out of context but uh yeah i thought it was kind of an interesting to say i, I don't think he'd be saying that if he didn't think if he didn't think keaton else had the ability to, to do it though like i remember him as a high school recruit and there's a lot of speculation he might have played offense, like he might have played receiver. And then he came to Penn State, I believe he started as a corner and then switched over to safety. And he was always, would Corey, a good word to describe Keaton Ellis. Fine. Wouldn't you think that's a good way to describe his career so far? It's It's fine. And it's better. It's a better find than like what your girlfriend tells you when she's mad at you. But it's not excellent. It's not great. And I think James Franklin thinks there's more. There's more in the tank for him. And it would be awesome if there is, because the guy is always in position to make a good play. I don't. He doesn't really make mental mistakes. So if there's anybody to be able to take that next step and be a playmaker in the in you know, at that safety spot, it'd be great if it was Keaton Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just so good in high school. Um, and so he has the athleticism. Maybe it was a switch from, from corner to safety that maybe slowed him down just a little bit. So we'll just have to wait and see if he can put it all together this year. Um, and, and, and really just kind of take that final step. But, but yeah, it'll be, uh, It'll be interesting. And then didn't hear anything specifically about Kevin Winston Jr., but that's the name you should just never forget in general. Um, Sean, that's about all I had. Oh, 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 I missed one thing. Sorry. you have anything else defensively? I have one quick note about somebody else on offense that I forgot, but otherwise I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I was actually going to mention KJ Winston. Um, I didn't hear a whole lot about him either, but Name to know in the safety room and awesome. Didn't hear about him. Makai Flowers. All I'm going to say. Walt Forge's father. Valley people know. 
But did you hadn't heard anything from, about Makai Flowers, did you? No, no. But I do know he was talked about quite a bit in the spring as, you know, making a good, you know, ha- using the most of his redshirt season and doing some nice things in the, sp- in, the, in the spring. So wouldn't shock me if you see him play a little bit more than, you, than people think. I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I just want to go back to offense real quick and just mention tight end Andrew, Andrew Rappelier because that was a guy we were very high on uh, months ago, especially when the, the, the recruiting class finished and didn't have the chance to enroll early. He's here now and uh, quote-unquote looks um, – looks to fit in fine with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, which those two guys are like pushing 260 and Andrew Rappelier is already like a physical specimen there. So um, definitely one more name to pay attention to. It's a crowded room right now with Jerry Gross and, and Khalil Dinkins there as well as Joey Schlaffer. But I really think Rappelier could, could make some, uh, some, some noise at some point this year. So uh, just another name to pay attention to. Um, are you ready for fan questions? I am ready. All righty. Oh, should we do a little thing? I don't know if it'll work. We can try uh, obviously. It's always so fun. Fun when I'm doing it too. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, um, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, let's start with the backup QB question. How about that? So I'm familiar. This is Chris Powell from on Twitter says, "Have you guys gone in depth on backup quarterbacks yet?" If Drew Aller goes down, I'd like to know who's our next best option. Also, wish the Beeb had chick- oh, chicken cheesesteaks. Yeah, the question this week was, what concession item would you like added um, to the to the Beeb concession items? And uh, Chris going with chicken cheesesteaks. Uh, not a bad choice. I like chicken cheesesteaks a lot. Sometimes I even like chicken cheesesteaks more than beef cheesesteaks, depending on uh, my mood sometimes. So, uh, good choice there, Chris. We... Uh, Answered this a little bit, but we can go in a little bit more depth. Um, Sean mentioned Jackson Smollett looking a little bit bigger. We talked about him. I do think Bo Perbila is the backup. When he was throwing the football and they were showing some film of him the other day, like he, he, when he's wearing his helmet, he really does look like Trace McSorley with that number nine. Like It's almost kind of weird. Uh, but I think he's your backup. He also does, you know, if Drew Aller were to go down, it provides you with some added benefit that he can run and move, you know, move around and, and hurt the defense with his legs. Maybe not as well as Drew Aller would be able to do with just his arm, but it is nice to know that if you had to move the sticks, he at least provides a different way to get the job done. Um, but I think he's your number two for sure. Obviously, you'd like to get him a lot more experience than the limited action he saw last year. Uh, but Penn State did add two walk-ons. One of them was Jack Lambert. I think he's from North Carolina. And there's another local guy that I have the name for. But they did add some, they did add some uh, quarterbacks to the room. So you've got 
one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks in the quarterback room now. So a little bit of added protection there. Obviously, if, if one of those walk-ons gets on, that's probably not good for Penn State. Probably wouldn't feel amazing if you had to see Jackson Smolik this year as far as having to get the job done. Um, and to be honest with you, you can't even really say you'd feel 100% confident in Bo Perbila because you just don't know. Um, the good news is for Penn State, they have a really good run game, and they have a, what we think to be a pretty good offensive line. So hopefully none of that happens. Yeah, got a little bit of breaking news here. Just a tad. A long snapper news. Like, you know. The number five. Long snapper in the country, according to Coles, has committed to Penn State. His name is Andrew Dufault. He's from Massachusetts. So, congratulations, Andrew. I, I'm so used to saying Liam Andrews. Congratulations, Andrew, and welcome. You right, can't get so, over the Liam Andrews thing, can you? I can't. You're so happy about that commit. <laughs> You're not. All right, so Chris Powell, who... I've been friends with since the third grade. Um, <laughs> backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. Um, I think it's I think it's probably Pribula just from a rep standpoint, uh, from what we've seen and from how far advanced he probably is. I mean, it, I know they're only a year apart, but... It, a redshirt, a guy going into his redshirt freshman season as compared to their true freshman season, that's a big difference just from a lifestyle standpoint and also from a development standpoint on the football field. So I would say right now there's probably a pretty decent gap between Prabula and Smolik, but that could that that could definitely change. Uh, I like the chicken cheese steak selection. Um, I agree with you. Once in a while, there. There's probably only like two or three places that I know of that I'd rather a chicken cheese steak than a beef cheese steak. But if you find them, chef's kiss. Thank you for that cheese steak analysis. Uh, we had two questions about right receivers, so I actually grouped them together. Uh, one's from Nittany Pete. What's the word on the future of this wide receiver room? Targets anyone we're high on that we have a good shot at? And he would love some all shucks corn on the cob, which it is about corn on the cob season here in Pennsylvania. And I'm very much looking forward to getting some good old Pennsylvania corn on the cob. I've missed that quite a bit. Um, and then Bender asks, what's the wide receiver room looking with Dante Sivas? I feel like we covered that pretty extensively already. Um, are they going to be a strength or a weakness? So, Sean, strength or weakness, if you have to choose, which one are you taking? Oof. That that is a tough binary choice. It is. Because as a lot of things are with life, probably somewhere in the middle. Uh because I I can't comfortably say it'll be a strength just because it's all new pe- it's all new people in all new roles. Now obviously KLS is not a new person, but it's a new role for him. Um, it's a new role for Omari Evans, uh, Dante Cephas, even though he has experience at Kent State, he didn't do, he hasn't done anything at Penn State. Harrison Wallace is going to have a bigger role this year. Uh, Liam Clifford's going to have a bigger role this year, Omari Evans. So I would go weakness, but I hope 
people don't take that as me thinking that the receivers won't be good this year because it's kind of like defensive tackles. I probably feel better about them now than I did a few months back. I'm going to say strength just because I'm going to couple the tight ends into it and take the cop-out answer. Good point. Good point. Um, I like that. You did have a receiver you wanted to mention as far as a target, right, for 2024? Yeah, uh, I would continue thinking about Alex Taylor. I think he's still somebody we could bring. I think he's still somebody that uh, we could uh, potentially bring in. Uh, But really, I don't think Penn State sits at a great spot right now with any of the receivers. And I do think we bring in another one, but it might be somebody that's not well known to us right now. So we'll keep you posted. Or Nick Marsh, maybe. That's who I'm hoping for. You never know. Never know. Alrighty. Um, this question comes from Brennan Malov- Mal- oh, I can never say his name. Malinovich. There seems to be a Penn State snub lately on national awards. Could be the quality of players, but I include Barkley as being a snub. Is there a player on this team you see winning an individual national award? And for a concession, he he would like Coca-Cola products. So I don't think there's a PSU snub lately, just to be plain out honest. Like, I don't think that's necessarily the case. However, to answer this question, I, I really think if you're trying to find somebody who could win a national award this year, I think my number one choice would probably be Abdul Carter, as 1A, just because I think he's explosive enough to make a bunch of splash plays that could get him into consideration for a linebacker of the year award, etc. And then 1B would be Chop Robinson if he just if he just goes off. I think that's those are the the easiest options. It's harder for me to imagine an offensive award winner. I guess you could go with you know Outland Trophy winner with Olu. Sorry, Sean, if that was your answer. It was. <laughs> no, but I'm happy you explained the other two guys in depth because they both have good good chance, you know, as good of a chance as you can get. Um, yeah, I would go Olu. Uh, there's, there are a lot of people saying he's the best offensive tackle in college football going into the season. Like a lot of national people are on the Olu fashion new bandwagon. Uh, my one concern with him is health because the last two seasons – he has gotten injured, but if he could stay healthy, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit. We haven't had an offensive tackle like him since Levi Brown, and that's that's a long-ass time ago. Um, it, like like you said, like the Walker Award for best running back, that's probably going to be a little tougher uh, just because there's so many great college running backs. Uh, same thing with the O'Brien Award, a lot of Obviously, there are so many great college quarterbacks. Uh, maybe Kalen King, Thorpe Award, because he's another guy consistently in among named among the best defensive backs in the country. So I think there's a lot of love out there for Penn State guys this year. And frankly, I think some of the quote-unquote snub, I mean, you, you, 
you kind of have to name like there are guys that I think should have been nominated for awards. Like Alan Robinson should have been nominated for the Blitnikoff Award his junior season. I think Saquon should have been invited to the Heisman ceremony. But I don't know if I can name anybody who should have won an award in the past uh, that hasn't won an award in the past 10, 15 years, in, in my opinion. Yeah. If Michael Motti doesn't get hurt, I think you have maybe an argument there for linebacker of the year. Uh, yeah, they would have just given it to, Yeah, they would have just given it to Manti Tail. But uh, yeah, uh, Carl. How many sacks did Carl Nassib have that one year? Maybe he deserved he a little lot. more attention. Yeah, I could buy that. Was he nominated for anything? Was that? Was he nominated for the uh, what's defense? Well, he won. He won the the whatever award given to the best walk on former walk best walk on, and I believe Saquon won the Paul Horning Award. So he did Correct. win an award. He just he didn't win. Walker Award. I forget who won it though. I can tell you who won that. Baker won the Heisman that year. Baker did win the Heisman that year. Okay, let's go. So this this guy. Oh, that is that is a handsome man right there. Which I didn't realize we were allowed to do this. Um, Sean <laughs> asks, question for Corey. If you could have one guy from last year's team who is no longer there, who would it be and why? I wish that, and you wish that the Beeve had personal pizzas. That's an interesting choice. I, I, I didn't, wouldn't have thought about that. I'd be okay with just a big pizza that, you know, you share with your friends. But I could see the desire for a personal one. So I got a personal pizza in Indianapolis, uh, just like Urban Meyer did from the uh, what's what's the chain out there, Papa John's. So I did enjoy that. I was like, "Ooh, this is." Okay. So yeah. Um, also, the winner of the 2017 um, Walker Award. Uh, this this was a snub. I'll give you that. Wait, wait. Which which college? Which college is it? Stanford. Who's the college? Oh, I know who it was. Yeah. I forgot this guy oh. existed until I saw his name. I was like, oh, yeah. I remember because being Because he came back <laughs> for the next year, and then he got hurt. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, I remember, being ups- I remember being upset about this. Oh, my goodness. Is it going to come to me? Yeah, as soon as I say the name. And I see his face. He had he had a little bit longer hair, didn't he? I uh, let me make. Yes, he did. He was actually he, he was actually a medical student too. I think he was like studying pre med when he's at Stanford. I know all sorts of things about this guy. I yeah, can't his name. yeah. I mean, you, wow, you know his whole resume. Yeah, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, he was a very good player, but I like Saquon better. Oh, he did have two thousand yards. Yeah, he racked up yards. Everyone was asleep, though, while, while he was playing. What's yeah, his name? Yards. I'll give him that. Bryce Love. Mm. Maybe um, the Bryce Young has already taken a spot in my mind, and Bryce Love just couldn't fit in there with it. 
And then in 2016, now I didn't think at the time Saquon should have won this award in 2016. Deonta Foreman won it. And I kind of forgot he he's from uh, Texas. He didn't, Texas, yep. He ended up being picked pretty early, I yeah, think. He also NFL. had 2,000 yards. Yeah, I think, let's see, he played for the, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Okay, I thought it was the Falcons. Texas. He was drafted by the Texans in the third. Oh, that's right. Is that Bill O'Brien who drafted him? Uh, it was Bill O'Brien. There you go. It all comes full circle. Bill O'Brien, famous good drafter. All right. Uh, well, hey, they did take. He's back with the Patriots now, isn't he? Yes, he is. Entering Mac Jones, and he has he has Trace. And his quarterback room yeah, and Gusecki. Yeah, that's that's so. just great. I'm so happy they're both with the Patriots. I'm just really happy for them. All three of them. Uh, okay. Gonna be happy. Uh, pl- player from last year's team who's no longer there. Who would you want? Um, I would say if I could have one player from last year's team on this year's team. Probably take Brown. I don't think it's a hard choice. I, I think I'd take take Brown back. Uh, yeah. Or Juice Gruggs. Take Brown or Juice Gruggs. What about you, Sean? Would you, would you consider saying Sean Clifford? Maybe for the fans out there. <laughs> just to just to make people mad. Um, I would take take Brown too. Just the kinds of things he would do on defense, it's just very hard to replace that. And I do think Hunter Norzad, I understand there's some questions there. I do think he'll step in and do us and do and do the job. But the amount of plays that Tig Brown could make on defense, I mean, he really came through for us last year. So I would go with him too. You know, an underrated guy that I think we'll miss more than people realize is Brenton Strange's blocking. That's a good pick. That's yeah. a good pick. I mean, he wasn't picked in the second round for no reason. Right. So, uh, okay. Two more questions. This question is from R. Scats. How would you rate former Penn State assistants as head coaches? Then he mentions Charles Huff, who went to Marshall. And then for a concession drink, he wished they also had switched to Coke, which has been a popular answer. Um, this man wins. Yep. So I only thought of, like, James Franklin, former assistants. I guess you could, like, go further back into the Paterno world and, and find probably some more. Although I don't know if there's really that many more that became specifically. Um, even if you go back into like the 2000s, even of the Joe Paterno era, like Tom Bradley never became a head coach, did he? He did not. I think the only coach that was a head coach on Ron Vanderlinden was, and Dick Anderson was. I get the yes, end Anderson at, at Rutgers. Yeah. Yes, and Vanderlinden was at uh, Maryland. I think he was there before Franklin and Ralph Fridgen got there. Gotcha. Okay. 
So I was gonna say, I didn't think there was that many that actually like left from the Paterno era anyway. Like I'm sure if you go back into the 80s and 90s, maybe there's some more. <laughs> Probably not that many more, but um, this kind of goes to show. Like James Franklin's already had three, unless I forgot somebody. You know, Joe Moorhead who went and was at Mississippi State. You know, Charles Huff is now went other places, but then now is at Marshall. And then you have Brent Pry, who's currently at Virginia Tech. Did I miss anybody? Uh, Ronnie. Oh, yes. Ricky Ronnie. Hey, Sorry. Ronnie. Yes. Old Dominion. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, oh. Donnie must be watching because I we did forget a big one. And that is Greg Schiano from the Patron staff. Jim Caldwell. Caldwell. Yeah. Yeah. So there, right, I don't think he ever was a head coach in college, but he obviously was in the NFL. Yes, and that question does not say college head coaches. So there you go. Nope. Yeah. So that's kind of a fun question to think about. As far as um, rating them, I think Moorhead got screwed at Mississippi State. He just wasn't a Southern guy, was never given a great opportunity. They went and got the complete polar opposite in Mike Leach. Obviously, Barry said what happened to Mike Leach, but Mike Leach wasn't doing anything great there. I mean, they're, they weren't building a dynasty there when Mike Leach was there. We'll see where they go from there, but I, I think Joe Moore had had them going in the right direction. He just didn't. He was only there for two years, so and both years his quarterback got hurt, so um, stunk there. But now he's at Akron, so see how they can do it at Akron. Uh, Charles Huff beat Notre Dame, so that's all you got to say there. He probably gets the best rating for just doing that. Um, and I can't remember. I think Brent Pry beat Old Dominion and Ricky Ronnie last year. I believe they played each other. I don't remember. It was a closed game. It was a really awful game. It was like ten to ten to seven or something like that. Um, but I believe they did play, and I think Virginia Tech won. Virginia Tech plays Rutgers this year, so yes, uh, Brent Pry will have some. More Big Ten opportunities Old Domin- there. Old but Dominion won last year. Old Dominion won. Okay. What was the score of that? Like 13 10? 20 to 17. Okay. It was, I knew it was low scoring. It was miserable. I, I think that game might have been on a Thursday or Friday. September 2nd. It was on a Friday. There we go. Um, yeah. That's probably the only reason why I was watching. It was the, the Franklin <laughs> Bowl. I do remember that James Franklin said that he had. Like, family members and friends went down for the game, but he wasn't able to go down. But, like, his wife went, I believe, like got to meet up with, with, with Rainey's wife and, and Pry's wife, et cetera. So that was probably really cool for them. Um, to get back to the question, though, I guess you would say Huff's doing the best. I, I mean, I don't really know how you want to put that. But um, the point is a lot of assistant coaches, even ones that haven't become head coaches, have went on to do some really good things. I know people can say they went about Josh Gaddis, but he was at Alabama, went to Michigan, was briefly at Miami, now he's at Maryland. So somebody believes in him. Um, and obviously there's been, you know, Shoop had a lot of opportunities. I don't know where Bob is now. Is he at USF? For some reason, I think he's at USF. I have no idea where he is. <laughs> John, look that up for me. I'm putting five see. bucks on USF defensive coordinator Bob Shoop. That's my guess. Bob Shoop is. He was at USF. 
Oh, shoot. I don't think he's anywhere now. Okay, so he got Can from USF? Wait, he won a USFL championship in 2023 as wow. something. Okay, so, yeah, so I was on the right trail, but He got no. canned at USF last year. Okay, interesting. Did not know that. Yep. Um, so that is a fun question to think back in the past a little bit there. Definitely. Um, I forgot Bob should went to Michigan for a year. Um, I would probably say, I'd say you have to go with uh, Charles Huff. I mean, that Notre Dame win was very fun, especially for me. Uh, he is a friend of the show. He was one of Corey's early um, interviews. 16 and 10 head coaching record. And... Uh, two straight winning seasons, two straight games at the Bowl. He won the Myrtle Beach Bowl last year, which is a very cool place to go. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Myrtle. Uh, I have. But I've, I'd imagine, yeah, very nice beach. Uh, imagine it's really cool around Christmas time. So, yeah, I would go Charles Huff. Charles Huff is a guy I'm keeping an eye on for his whole career because, you know, one day Franklin's going to retire or whatever. If Charles Huff could do well at Marshall, get another job at a Power 5 program, yeah, I'm totally fine with bringing Charles Huff back someday, maybe to be the take the head job here. Familiar with the school. He's coached here a few, coached here a few years. He's a good dude. So, And he's, uh, he's, been, he's worked under Nick Saban, which I think says a lot, too. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He's worked under a lot of guys. He's been a lot of places, and uh, he's familiar with the area. So, and he works at Marshall now. That's about, what, three, four hours from State College. So, um, yeah, he's a guy who you might hear his name again in the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. Very, very good recruiter. Um, also, just shout out to Charles. He signed Saquon. Yeah, just, I mean, first of all, this guy took an interview with me, like, didn't have to do that. It was like a Friday afternoon, Friday night when I interviewed him. And hardcore Penn State football was not where it is now um, in any capacity. We had no, I don't know if we have clout now. Definitely didn't have any clout back then. And so the, that episode, I believe you can still access it. So I, I recommend you check that out. He, he, he gave me like 45 minutes of his time. So shout out to him. Yep. And I always root for the guys that leave here, always, especially if they leave on good terms with us. Okay, DJ Schaff Dog ask who will be the next teams or team or teams the Big Ten at? And he wishes they had fried pickles. Fried pickles would be fantastic. Uh, unless it's raining like Northwestern, and then you have cool. soggy fried pickles, and soggy fried pickles would not be good. But um, you have experience. No, I'm just assuming they'd be all, anything fried gets so gross if there's any sort of rain. Oh, I see what you're saying because it rained last year against Northwestern. Yeah, sorry, went went kind of off on a I thought, tangent there. I, I, I thought you meant like you got them at Ryan Field once. No, I got bl- belligerently intoxicated at Ryan Field one time, but that's a story for a different day. <laughs> you have to be to go there, from what I hear. <laughs> um, let me just stop that recording and start another one here. Okay, Sean, one team you could add to the Big Ten. Go. Notre Dame. Okay. So, do you want to know why? Yeah, sure. So, 
course I do. So as you all as you as you all know, I hate Notre Dame with every fiber of my being, and that's exactly why I want Notre Dame to be in the conference. First off, make makes geographic sense. I understand geography doesn't matter as much now. We have West Virginia in the Big Twelve, and we have USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. But still, you like some consistency there. It makes sense from an academic standpoint. It makes sense from a brand standpoint. They make sense from a tradition standpoint. They make sense as a team that has traditional rivals in the conference with Michigan, with Michigan State, with Purdue. They played Penn State a bunch in the eighties. There is there's history there with a bunch of Penn, with a bunch of Big Ten teams. So to me, the conference they belong in is the Big Ten. They're gonna bring in money. They're gonna bring in and you know just and they're going to bring in tradition they're going to add to the tradition of the conference and to me there's almost no argument against bringing Notre Dame in now people will say well Sean they got a TV contract and they get to keep all their money they have to share their bowl money Sean true do you know how much they're getting from their current TV contract play $22 $22 million. Do you know how much speculative speculation is Big Ten teams are going to get from their new TV deal? North of 70, I believe, right? Yep, between 70 and $90 million piece. So it doesn't make any sense for them to be independent anymore unless their new contract, which they could get in 20, and which is up in 24. Unless their new contract gives them something that high. Because if not, they kind of sound like, uh, you know, they kind of sound like an anti-union person in your office. That's like, hey, man, I don't want to pay any union dues. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, well, you're going to pay 15 bucks for union dues or 20 bucks a paycheck, but you're going to make 6000 more a year and you're going to get better health insurance. Well, I mean, to me, that would make sense to just go and join the union. But if Notre Dame wants to be all, you know, pissy and be all like, well, no, we don't want to share our money. Well, then you're really cutting off your nose to spite your face, my friends, my enemies. So just join us. And it's going to be fun for everybody. There's a select niche of our fan base. That loves just to hear you talk about Notre Dame. Oh, it's so fun. Like, <laughs> I could just have an anti-Notre Dame podcast where I just talk about Notre Dame all the time. Seriously, and you'd, you'd probably have a pretty solid following. Like, like, to me, like, I don't even know what you were just talking about five minutes ago. You were talking about unions and health insurance, and I was like, Sean, we've lost Sean for a second. He's he's just gone off the rails. But um, there's, there's I, literally... I landed the plane. Yeah, it might might have not got the landing gear in time, but the the plane did land. The plane Amen. did land. Um, I don't I don't even know if I have it. Like oh, like a team I want to see, but to answer the question, Oregon and Washington are going to be the next two, straight up. I think that's I feel pretty confident about that at this at this juncture, which famous last words of a podcaster. But after that. 
I got no idea. Like, do they try to go to the South and get Florida State or a Clemson or a VTech or a North Carolina or a Duke or a Georgia Tech? Maybe. I haven't heard anything about that really being a possibility. I don't think they're going to go after Stanford or Cal now. And so I, I don't know where they're going to go. So I will say this, the next two, Oregon, Washington, to, to keep it simple. Yes. Yes. I mean, that seems to be what the reporting is. And by the time we talk, Oregon, Washington might be in the next, might be in the conference. So. Oops. You know, we actually got a, like a five-star rating, I think, on Apple, but they did not leave a review. So I have nothing to like. We take it. Say we'll take it. We're at 111 now, so someone did something. So thank you. Let us know. We'll send you a sticker. Which, by the way, I have some stickers I have to like send out, and I hadn't done that yet. So I apologize. You probably won't get those for like another month. That's my fault. Um. Okay was on YouTube, by the way. I wasn't keeping up with the YouTube chat. Okay is his name or her name. Would want Parker Washington to answer your question about um good answer. Uh about about wanting a player from the previous team. So uh there's that. Thank you for that. Apologize I missed it. That was like ten minutes ago. I just didn't see it. So my bad. Uh thank you for watching on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and please take five seconds, subscribe wherever you're listening on your phone or wherever the case may be. Consider dropping a five-star review. It helps us out, and we'll send you a sticker at some point. And, um, Sean, we're August. Like, we were talking about today. We're, we got, like, what, two and a half weeks till the, the big, juicy preview, which, if you weren't here last year, I mean, we pretty much talk about every single player um, to start the season. We, we, we go through... Well, I think we should go through the awards now that we have the Hardy Awards on who we think might win those. We're going to have some poll questions for people to answer on X. Sounds stupid. Uh, um, because it is stupid. We're going to have uh, <laughs> we're going to have we're going to talk briefly about every team again on Penn State schedule. If you want more in-depth look, go listen to the last couple episodes where we talked about every team in way more depth. And then um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about every single position. We're going to do – we're going to do uh, – did we do chicken wings last year? We did. So I think we're without pizza toppings for next pizza. year, right? Yep, pizza toppings. Yeah, I think we could call pizza. that pizza toppings or pizzas. I think either one will be respectable for how we want to yep. talk about those positions. But we're going to talk about every single position. So um, that's going to be one you're not going to miss – whether it's live or whether it's – you're probably not going to watch the whole thing live, to be honest with you, because Sean and I are just crazy maniacs. But that's going to be one you're going to want to listen to in full entirety before the season starts. So uh, And, I mean, we just spent an hour and a half talking about one day of practice. Imagine what we can do with a whole month. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, – for our, for the newcomers, uh, we tend to talk a lot. So – uh, buckle up and honestly like the season preview last year probably one of my favorite shows that we did just because we covered so much and there it was a real epic uh but i felt like all this stuff was important and if it's a season preview for a team you love i mean i think it should be in depth so 
yeah, we're going to be doing that. And then you're going to be previewing West Virginia. Um, Pick'em will be back. Pick'em will be back. So, Corey, we're going to be doing that a little differently this year, right? Just because we uh, – yeah. Like, as far as the guest pickers go, because, like, the early people kind of had an edge picking the out-of-conference games as compared to the in-conference, as compared to the people that are picking conference. Well, I'm not going to get mad at people for – so here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do two things. I don't want to punish people for being here from the beginning of the season. Right. I do want people to maybe have an opportunity to get back into the swing of things if they start maybe – or they miss a week, whatever the case may be. So what I'm going to do is this. First of all, when it comes to the doubling down, last year you were able to double down on any game one in the Big Ten as far as uh, which one would cover the spread. We are we are not doing that this year. We're going to have only like three choices depending on which three are the closest. So you're not going to be able to just choose the easiest one. Like when Michigan plays their first four opponents, you're not going to be able to take them to to, to, to take the spread in those ones. Um, and honestly, we didn't even do the spread last year. We just did straight up double or nothing. So it was actually just free money on top of that. So we'll, uh, we'll make that a little bit trickier. And then I think after week one, there might be another opportunity. I see. I don't know how we're going to do that, but I would like to offer a, another really difficult question related to the Big Ten and, and that week specifically to maybe give a bonus point out to people uh, just because okay. there's not as many games later in the year. But the thing is that the people at the, you know, that started from the beginning of the season, they could theoretically get those right too. So there's no okay. real way of making it fair to let people catch up. But that question is going to be honestly probably like a 50-50 bet. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, you know, I don't know how many points are going to be scored over under on Ohio State, Penn State. I don't know. Something like that. That's a good way to do it. Over unders. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think I have anything more to say. Um, but we have some exciting stuff coming up. So stay tuned. Yes. Yes. Very exciting stuff. Ah, 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 ah. Thank you so much for listening to us. You guys have a great rest of your week. We'll be back on Wednesday. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.